two, one. Welcome back to another episode of AT Talks. This is the first episode on topic five, undervalued skills. We're back with Eli, and we're back with Leah. Not Leah. <laughs> Leah. <laughs> Leah. Um, Get it right. Not the princess. You want to give a one or two sentences <laughs> on where you're practicing at? Let the world know. Ladies first. Um, so I'm Leah. I am practicing in the Napa Valley currently, um, but we'll soon be relocating to the greater Sacramento area. So, yeah. Which is and I'm transitioning from the college to the industrial setting. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, my name is Eli, and I am transitioning all the time. I'm currently in a college setting and uh, work with also uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athletes uh, on the side contract work um, in St. George, Utah. And uh, yeah, so good times. Yeah, and uh, my name is Tom. I'm in Northwest Indiana, probably 35, 40 minutes away from Chicago. And I'm not transitioning. I'm at a secondary high school and the concussion clinic and I've been here coming up on two years in June. So undervalued skills, what do we think? So, all right, I got this. I got you. I'm the host. So, I'm not going first. Skills. No, I'll go first. I don't mind. I just always feel bad because, like, I'm always the guy that will just jump in there, but I want to be respectful. You have a great else. personality, and you just ooze charisma. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's true. You had me a hello, Tom. No, I appreciate it, man. Um, but it's good. It's something that I'm, I'm passionate about, and I do, you know, I do love, enjoy speaking and talking to people and stuff. I do got a lot to say on this type of stuff because, you know, I, I've been at it now for an athletic training uh, for eight years now total. And I've had students and interns and stuff, so I've gotten a, a, a lot of experience, I guess, over the years. I guess being a, a mentor, if you, I guess, if you will, or whatever. And some of the things that I've seen over the years, at least in my experience, and we talked a little bit about it um, right before we started, was just um, uh, soft skills kind of being an undervalued uh, skill. And, and, and more specifically in, in dealing with your, your athletes and your coaches and, you know, your team physician, your uh, strength staff, uh, just a, a lot of different personality traits. So I think that like one of the under, undervalued skills that can't, uh, I mean, I guess it can be taught to a degree, um, but it's just not taught in school. Um, and so learning to understand the different personalities. And then once you understand that, how do you, you know, how do you um, address those personality traits into doing, you know, accomplishing the goals that, you know, at hand, whether it's, it's rehabbing an athlete or uh, communication with the coaching staff or uh, getting what you want from your team physician as far as, you know, uh, imaging or things that you want done with for specific athletes if they're not happening and understanding how to get through to certain people, I think is uh, is definitely uh, an undervalued skill. I think jumping off or like um, kind of piggybacking on that a little bit too is <laughs> um, like not necessarily like just the like changing who you like or how you communicate with somebody to uh, like get the directive that you want but also like to be the person that they need you to be in that moment so like if you have athletes that aren't like that need to be broken down from their like entitlement and you need to 
break through to them and get them and kind of like be a hard ass a little bit. Ooh, am I allowed to say cuss words? Okay. No, <laughs> um, but like being a hard ass a little bit so that they're able to um, kind of get off their horse and realize that like what you're doing is for them. But at the same time, like that's how you need to communicate with them. Does that make sense, I guess? Yeah, and I don't think, uh, I think a lot of people have one approach. This is how I am. This is how I like to do things. And they try to apply that approach to everybody and everything. And then they wonder why they get so much pushback and why um, it's so hard to win over so many different people. And it's just because you're, you're going at it one way and everybody's different and you have to be able to change, even if, you know, just temporarily, just for the conversation change how you normally would talk to someone or try to win them over I'll put the ego at the door and be like okay i know that this coach likes a b and c so i'm gonna come at the conversation from a b and c even if you're not that typical type of person that's what you have to be able to do so i agree 100 percent with that I'm okay. a, no sorry I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, i was just going to piggyback off of that and and even um, you know, kind of what, one thing I think will help too, or helps too, is when people go through coaching staff changes, because I've seen that happen where if you're working with the same group of people and you finally learn like how to kind of deal with those certain people for so long or however many, you know, years that you're together. But then when there's a disruption in it and all of a sudden you have new staff, uh, whether it's new out there, training staff, new coaches, new players and stuff like it's being able to now adapt to the new crew like the new staff. And although that you've been there for a, like a long time, uh, I think it, like you said, sound like a lot of people have like have a hard time have kind of set in their ways. And then when you get like a new coaching staff, they have a hard time kind of adapting. Cause it's like, well, this is, I've been here for this long. This is how it's always worked. This is how it's always been done. But then, and they kind of sh turn off the you know thought process of trying to understand who they're now working with and will the same things, you know, will the same, uh, tactics apply to the to the new people that they're working with so I, I think that's really important as well like to make sure that you're willing to change and adapt um, kind of always and, and not get complacent because I think a lot of times people do get complacent uh, and then when you have those staff changes um, they can kind of become pretty hard to I think adjust for some people yeah being able to grow and go outside your comfort zone and to be challenged it's huge and I, and I have a lot of young professional friends and one, one of the biggest issues they have is that it's very hard for them to implement change because that's the way it's always been done we've been doing this for 10 years 15 years 20 years now you're forcing me to change what's wrong with you we can't change this is how we do it and then that that can take a toll on you for a while if you keep smacking that barrier for you know a month a season a year I get it. What's the dog's name? Her name's Cora. Hey, Cora. Mama, look at look at Mama. She's cute. Look at. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, she likes to get loves all the time. Um, it's part of the husky in her. Um, sorry. I got us off topic. Yeah, she don't even know what the topic is right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I. I would agree. I do think that it's hard to change people who are not as flexible as we are. But I think that's 
And like, I am a big advocate for stop biting. I'm a big advocate for um, education as being that grounds of like forcing change. Um, Like I'm making you change, not because I don't like you, not because I don't want you to be sick. Like I'm making you change because I want you to be successful. I'm making you change because the way that you're doing it is inefficient or like having the structure behind the why, like not just being like change, you need to change, like end of story, like do better, be better. It's more so we need to change because of X, Y, and Z, or this is the gold standard that we need to get ourselves to. So. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, 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 and then something else to kind of, what that made me kind of think about too is, um, uh, kind of an addition in, uh, in an additional undervalued skill is I think uh, being able to separate um, um, practicality from like emotion, like being practical and being emotional. Cause I think sometimes with that, that change and stuff, I think with people it becomes more of a uh, emotional decision. They have a hard time. Um, I think changing um, because there's an emotional attachment to it, like, you know, out of their comfort zone and, or whatever it is, everyone kind of has their own things. But I think, Ultimately, I think uh, another skill um, is being able to separate uh, your just being practical from being emotional in your decision making. Like, you know, with an athlete, you know, you know, says something to offend you, for example, and then, you know, your emotional response obviously is to, you know, come back at them or, or get angry or whatever it is. Everyone has different responses and how they react. But I think it's really important in, in the work setting specifically to being able to kind of control your emotions and, and be the same person, um, you know, every day and learning how to, how to uh, adjust for those things. And so that where you, you can basically try and take out the emotion and think about the situation in a more logical and practical fashion and, and try to make the logical decision and what's best for, you know, you know uh, the program, the athlete, the situation at hand, basically. Um, uh, that was just kind of something else that, you kind of when you were talking about kind of crossed my mind because um, I think you know some people it can become hard to, to change because it's just part of their emotional it's just part of them I think it's funny that you say that because um, as you're speaking it's making me think about how undervalued self-reflection is because one of the things with young professionals is I feel like when we come straight out of college um, and straight out of like our residency <laughs> or our GA ship or just out of college we're like I know everything like this is me I am like I'm gonna be the world's best athletic trainer I'm never gonna get anything wrong and so with that I think is a component of like self-reflection is um an undervalued skill like the ability to say that like I am not very good at looking at you know elbow injuries or you know, my forte is not rehabilitation in the pool or like understanding our weaknesses and being able to work through them or um, if not work through them, be able to, mama, relax, relax, please. Go see daddy. Um, but to be able to like work through our own issues and then also to be able to like live in our strengths too. Like, knowing that you're a dang good like knee rehabber you can look at anybody's knee and um 
like create a 30 minute rehab for them every day of the week and it'll never be the same or something like I don't know I'm kind of going on a tangent with that but well I think it's important to maximize your strengths and to minimize your weaknesses but you can't hide from your weaknesses you have to acknowledge that they're there and when you self-reflect you get to take a step back and take a look at the big picture of hey what we did well was this what we did not do well was this and that's where you're going to grow because that's when you're going to recognize hey our policy failed here we need to change this or my response failed here and we need to change this or i don't have the proper connections and relationships with a, B, and C, so we failed as a team. So that's huge to be able to reflect, take a step back, and then see see what happened and try to understand it. And, get better. and I think people are afraid to reflect sometimes because then they have to voice or itemize their weaknesses. And I don't think people are always inclined or in tune to their weaknesses mm -hmm. and it's scary like to make yourself vulnerable and to talk about what you're doing poorly or what you can improve on is definitely like not an easy thing to do and if you're not in a healthy environment like if you're already dealing with like mental health issues or like work like work life balance at your current place like um talking about some of your issues or um like poor habits or anything like that just like kind of exasperates them a little bit i'd say so. i agree yeah no i think it's like self self-reflection and self-awareness are, are are huge but i think that depending on the person and if you know what kind of you know like mental health state that they're in can drastically affect you know like uh you know them and and, and like you know how no one wants to show their vulnerability you know like some people like for me like it's easier for me to to do it um but for some it, it's not and that that's okay everyone's got different personality traits but like you know yeah i think it's 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 really important to just um you know to be able to understand it and, and see it but then think think it through like okay well here are my weaknesses like okay like so what like there's no no one, no one's going to be perfect. Like I'm not going to be a perfect clinician. I can't be the best at like everything and I'm not. And I vocalize that with my team and my staff, you know, for example, I started working baseball here like a month or two ago. I know nothing about baseball. It's very, I'm very open about it. I know nothing about the sport. You know, I know I've had a training, but like, I don't understand baseball biomechanics, but you know, what do I do? I, you know, obviously I reach out to some of my, my baseball friends and I try and learn, but you know, I don't hide from the fact I'm not, I don't pretend that I understand um, baseball mechanics to the max. And so, um, you know, but, and, but, and if I, and, oh, what am I trying to say? And if it's something, and to me, it's thinking about from sharing my vulnerability, like what am I afraid of for me personally? Like, and it's the, afraid of what? Like being judged, being fired, being let go, being thought of as not a great clinician. Like what, like what ultimately is going to happen to me specifically. And that's kind of my thought process in it and, and, and trying to like kind of overcome that. And ultimately, like it's nothing like, it's not like I don't understand baseball. Okay. Now I'm going to get my leg chopped off. Like that's not going to happen. It's not going to be, it's not like the end of the world. So I think for people, you know, um, trying to, you know, admit their, you know, their weaknesses, I, I think is a strength and, you know, but also understanding their, their strengths 
is obviously kind of, you know, super important and kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, but also, sorry, I'm just rambling. I'm just it's okay. You're off. fine. Um, I think it's ramblers. really, I know. I just, I guess I could say so much about it. And it's just because it got me also thinking like it becomes, I think it becomes more important the longer that you're in either this profession or any, any kind of profession, but um, the longer they're in it and the higher up you go, if you become in a more like a supervisor or administrative or a management type role, I think that becomes even, I mean, I think it's important period, but like, I think it's harder for people that are in the profession long enough to, to be able to admit their weaknesses and do that. And I think it's most, I think it's most important with them because then you're hiring staff, right? And if you've got a person who's in charge and he under, he or she, understands his strengths and his weaknesses then really he should look at he or she should look at hiring a staff to fill the gaps like understand their weaknesses Uh okay well what kind of staff member do i need to hire versus like oh they interviewed well he's a great person he's really smart hiring like go into more depth you need to understand your staff it's like coaches recruit players in a team to find the right pieces to create a successful team and a program same thing, same thing goes for athletic training, I think. And I don't think enough people look at it that way, you know. So I think being able to, you know, understand that and then hire your staff according to fill the gaps. And you can't do that if you don't understand, you know, where your weaknesses are at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to, for like in the secondary setting is to make those relationships with everybody. Because let, let's look at automatic weaknesses. If I get there at one, I'm not there all day. So if I have someone who needs help, where are they going to go? The school nurse. So we need to be on the same page so she can cover me. I don't have the resources to do rehab. We have a huge fitness center, but I don't have those resources in my office, my facility. So I need to work with my fitness staff or the teachers to make sure they follow academic accommodations. I'm weak in all those areas just because I'm only there for a little bit of time and I'm limited with my resources. And that's not even where I'm weak in all the athletic training areas because I have tons of weaknesses. The longer you're in this profession, the more you should realize that you know very little. There's so much more to learn. And I have weaknesses in all five domains. There's everywhere. So it's huge. I think like as a young professional, like when I started reflecting, cause I'm a like pretty reflective person, I'd say. one thing that I realize is that I don't want a position where I'm by myself anymore because I don't like not being able to bounce ideas off of people. Like if I'm looking at a shoulder and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know, this could be a or B like, and I want another person's opinion. I have to send them to a doctor to do that. And like, here especially like I have so many challenges with getting people in to see um physicians because our like our team physician is 40 minutes away and like stuff like that so it's like they're not coming to campus for every Tuesday Thursday for three hours and or anything like that it's we're always contracting out so I'm like I'm so alone and when I'm like when I need my weaknesses like complimented I just don't feel that like connection happening and it's difficult to like grow in some of those expansions. Like, I mean, I can eval a shoulder till I'm blue in the face, but 
I don't know if the fifth test that I think is positive is because of fatigue or not, like that kind of thing. So it's, I think it's hard to grow alone. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, then, and that's why, that's why we've got Twitter and some other, other avenues to, you know, hopefully, I mean, I like, I mean, of course, other things, but like, you know, I think like the social media part of it with Alec, with athletic training, I think is huge. I think doing this type of stuff is, is great because it gets us all, you know, connected, especially for those of you that are kind of in those singular settings where you don't, where you're not connected with so many other people. Um, you know, I think, you know, finding ways to kind of fill that void are, is huge. The only issue with Twitter is, is if, if you openly put that out there, you're going to have uh, some people that are like, oh, I think A, B, and C. And then you're going to have some people that are going to put unfavorable responses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, any other undervalued skills that we can think of? It was, it was a lot of like um, adapt yourself to personalities and make connections and be open and reflect. Yeah, I think Ooh. those are the biggest things. I'll go ahead. We got ten minutes to fill, so let's go. Time efficiency. Um, one of the things that I found has been very beneficial is making things convenient. Like, for example, like we say, like if you have two people that are rehabbing an ankle, you can make them rehab together, make some competitions, make it fun. But I think also like time efficiency, like in regards to if I have someone who I want to go through mobility exercises, making it something that they only have to come in five, 10 minutes earlier for practice to do, or they only have to stay for 15 minutes afterwards, like making it so that it's convenient for them to get more buy-in. And then just better time management, because that's always a skill that (laughs) needs to be utilize heavily in athletic training specifically so yeah and i think the easiest way to create buy-in is you have to keep it simple which i think a lot of us are really bad at because we we think simple is bad you know like if it's simple it's not it's not good enough and which is really stupid and it has to be fun if it's not fun no one's gonna want to do anything especially you don't want to stand on a physio ball like doing a barbell squat with a resistance band around your elbows or something. That's <laughs> and bouncing a soccer ball in your head. Don't ever do that. Oh, I forgot about that part too. <laughs> no. No. Anything you want to add think, on that, Eli? No, I think that actually, yeah, you bring up a great point because that was something I struggled with early on in my career was that being like efficient time management stuff part of it. And I think a lot of um, you know young professionals struggle with that too because it's like you said. I I think it's. I mean, that's really important. And I think for me, it was like, I remember early on, it was just like, like learning on when I can like do those rehabs and like, you know, tag team certain athletes together or bring in some of my longer term rehabs during practice instead of doing them at the same time with the rest of the team and trying to, you know, trying to manage your time so that, you know, you're being efficient throughout the day and kind of filling, filling some gaps without being like, okay, let me just go work for 15 hours a day and just sit here all day and then knock everybody out. You know, there's always, you know, there's always a way you can manage something and, and making sure that you're using your, um, you know, your, your, your coaches and, and people around you to, to explore options and not just accept that like, Hey, 
like this is the way that it is like you know explore different time management you know ideas and things and kind of see what you can experiment with and, and what works i think that's a great one good, mm -hmm. good call yeah and i think being efficient is really tricky because we all have a lot of documentation to do right so if, if my basketball team is practicing three to five thirty on the court well they're most likely not going to need me from three to five thirty and you can spend an hour, an hour and a half doing documentation, but then you're not making yourself available. You're not making yourself seen and known. And you're not building relationships. So it's like you can do a little bit, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. All right. I'll, I'm right here if you need me. Do a little bit more. But um, it's, it's always tricky, you know. Time management's hard. Does it, get easier? Does it get easier with experience, Eli? <laughs> Uh, it gets easier, but the athletes are still as difficult as when I was first starting. Some of them, some of them. What do you want to say, Aliva? Oh, no, I'm just laughing because I was like, ooh, really? It doesn't get better? Yeah, it, doesn't get better. Um, <laughs> it does, it does. Um, I was actually having this conversation a, a little bit with my, my roommate slash best friend. Who is that Bruno? Actually, Bruno. What's up, Bruno? Yes. Hey, Bruno. Oh, wow. Tom says, what's up? What's up? Hi, Bruno. Hey. I haven't met you, but hi. And Leah says hi, too. Check out the Eli Kassab experience. Bruno's got an episode on there. Deeply impactful episode. Very serious topic. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, and and for, uh, you guys don't know him, but uh, that was a hard one because he's not uh, – he won't talk about that in public. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, go, go look it up. Go to his uh, Ooh, yeah, okay. Twitter and look it up. Um, I think one of the things we do a really bad job of is building our brand and building our identity and perception to the people around us where a lot of people in our own house, you know, in our own school, our own administration, our coaches have no idea what we are and what we do because our brand just isn't there. And, and when you say, Hey, I'm medical and they go handing out ice as a medical and you're like, Oh man, I do 50 other thousand things besides handing out bag of ice. We just don't have the branding which is something I work extremely hard for at East Chicago, which is my high school. I think that's, I think I actually, it's funny that you brought that up. I, the, I had a conversation with um, a fellow athletic trainer recently, and that was one kind of thing that came up was, you know, making sure that, you know, because with athletic training, we get kind of tunnel vision in our training room mm -hmm. and we kind of forget about all of that and that was one thing that kind of came up and I was kind of one thing I suggested was was doing some of that with you know with the other departments and strength and conditioning administrative coaching like you know the janitorial staff and like just making sure that the not just uh, just the departments are all aware of you and kind of of us and what we do and and, and things like that is, is really important like you said and really impactful in in a lot of ways and so that you know, uh, especially, you know, when it comes to, you know, with salary and um, just like having our backs and things like that, there's a lot of, there are times where that, that, that comes into play where having those, um, those people, having that branding can, can help you out significantly if, you know, whether it's in a lawsuit situation or something as simple as asking for a raise like that, that's, that's the way to kind of go about it. So that's, that's a great point. Do you ever feel like it can come back to like bite you in the butt a little bit? Um, Cause I know like when I started advocating for athletic training a little bit more um, on my campus, like saying like, 
this is what I do. This is like who I am. Um, it started to, oh, hey, like, can I get my ankle tape for intramurals? Or, hey, like, can I get my wrist tape? I'm about to go, like, lift heavy tonight. Like, no. <laughs> but, yeah, because that's one of the things that, like, as I became more of, like, a friendly face between the athletes and, like, students started seeing me, you know, working with professors um, and scheduling my meetings like on campus so that I wasn't down in my cave of the gym because um, like our athletic training room is like right off our baseline so I am like stuck down in in the gym like 24 7 to be honest um, so I started trying to schedule meetings at other places like going to our coffee house on campus and so when I became uh, more of like a face on campus I found that um more people were comfortable asking me to do things that I'm like nope sorry can't do that nope mm -mm. So. I feel like I haven't experienced any negative side effects from getting my name out there and getting the profession and the brand out there but I'm also very easygoing when stuff like that comes up you know if my if my maintenance guy comes in and goes hey I have some shoulder pain. Can you take a look at me? I don't care. That's fine. I'll spend 15 minutes with the dude and I'll give him a rehab plan. Not, not an issue for me. Others have issues with that, but I don't. I'm not concerned about, well, you're contracted to treat the high school athletes and he's staff and I'm here to make an impact. I'm going to make an impact. End of story. And yeah, and I, and I, and I think you're going to get, you know, um, I've definitely seen like both ends of that, that spectrum. And I think that just depends on the individual, you know, I think, and I, and I absolutely you do run into that. It's like, you know, when you're, when they get to family get togethers, it's like all of a sudden it's like, Hey, Eli, my, my back, my elbow, my knee. It's like, Oh, Hey, great to see you, uncle. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's all, all of a sudden everyone's asking you for stuff. So, you know, but I think in how you go about it. So I think that does, but, Having to be like a negative or positive, I guess, kind of depends on how on you how you, you look at it. Um, but I think as far as the individual goes, um, you know, like uh, Thomas saying, like you're totally fine with it, you know. But sometimes, and maybe you're in a certain setting where all of a sudden there's just too many to do, um, then you obviously got to start setting some boundaries. Um, so I think in, in that instance where you where you do have some of those things that start happening. Um, you know, it's basically learning how to understand your boundaries ahead of time so that when when and if that stuff kind of comes up, then you kind of have a heads up on, on how to handle it without burning, you know, bridges. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, I do get very defensive if someone walks into my office and demands uh, something, then I will, I will be more likely to say no. You know, like if, if my athletic director and just, just saying, if, if she walked in, she's like, you need to look at my knee because don't feel right. I'll be like, whoa, whoa hey. But if you just come in saying, hey, when I play basketball, I have some knee issues. What do you think, Tom? Like, I, 